Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. The grant. My name is Nils Tudervinder, and I am the creator, editor, and host of the grant. The Grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. The Horizon Europe Framework Programme for R&D funding is a bush with many flowers. I have throughout the last year built up content on especially Horizon Europe Pillar 2, which is focused on collaboration projects solving socio-economic challenges. Now it is time to have a look at one of the other flowers in the bush, the ERC program for researchers. The program is the most important funding program for the research community, broadly speaking. It has a quite different structure and characteristic than the Pillar 2 part of Horizon Europe. Focus here is to support the individual researchers with the in-depth investigation of the research area, giving them the resources that all researchers per se is needing to go ever further into unveiling yet unknown revelations to advance European research in all corners. Added to this, the ERC is a bottom-up program with no strategic course. I have never worked with this funding scheme, so to get it right, I invited in Johan Bartsev into the virtual podcast studio to give us all a thorough introduction to this fundamental funding source for the European research community. In this second half, we are digging deeply into the evaluation regime of the ERC program, and Joram shares how you should approach the different explicit and implicit evaluation criteria. Very important. And of course, Joram gives us an overview of the main pitfalls that most stumble down into when preparing proposals for the ERC. So you can avoid them. Please enjoy. The grand. All in all, these are the factors that we are looking for uh, when looking at the ERC material. Can I? In. So in Horizon Europe Pillar 2, yeah. in the template of the proposal, yeah, you sort of you they sort of guide you. Uh, you have Correct. descriptions of what they expect to be in different sections. Is 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 it the same in, in ERC? Do the things that you just uh folded out, is that in the template? Is that something that they are asked? Um, so you need to Explain this, or I need to explain this. Uh, yeah, uh, about the profile, yes, there is a structure to that, and uh, definitely there is a structure, but it's not kind of an there are no clear instructions. What I just gave you is actually a process, or uh, let's say, uh, something that uh, uh, it's kind of a knowledge that we have extracted mm. from uh, what we've seen so far about this project. Um, and, and how they are evaluating this. But there is a structure to that. And here it's uh, one important comment. Uh, the ERC recently declared that starting with the grant of 2024, they are going to actually relax their requirements about the ERC profile. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is that we don't know yet how. Meaning, 
how it's going to be manifested in the application. But uh, that's their kind of uh, official uh, declaration. So is it it then instructions to the evaluators and then you'll have to wait and see? Do you have to guess or? We don't know. We simply don't know at this point. Waiting for uh, official instructions or wait for the next round and see how the evaluators are going to handle this. Yeah. Um, is that the is that the the ESC material? Yes, that's that's uh, complete. This part. Good. Now we uh, we move into the evaluation. Oh, because that's in any anyone would know if they've been listening to if they're regulars of this podcast. That any any funding scheme, I've been focusing a lot on Horizon uh, Europe Pillar 2, but also Erasmus that I've been going through. Um, it, it all comes down to how is it being evaluated. So that's a nice thing to understand before you start to put pen to paper. It, with any <laughs> funding scheme in this whole wide world, what are they looking at? And you're like, who is doing it? How is the regime set up? So you sort of strategically can 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 guide your own pen uh, in that direction and how you want to formulate things. So, Joam, how is it in uh, in ERC, the evaluation regime? This is where things are becoming complicated. As I said earlier, the uh, sole uh, criteria here or criterion, let us say, is scientific excellence. So when we discussed the ERC material, I believe it was easier to grasp what is the excellence Mm. because it's more technical and more uh, tangible. But uh, when it comes to the project itself, there are no instructions about that. Well, there is a set of questions to the reviewers, but uh, it's still... It's still elusive, meaning it won't help you much. And uh, I will try to go through um, um, the things that we know that they're looking for and try to explain them uh, very briefly now and um, uh, and see how it's uh, eventually uh, composing this uh, evaluation uh, criteria uh, that eventually forms this scientific excellence. So in order to do that, we distinguish between uh, conceptual uh, issues and operational one. Meaning the conceptual is, the focus is what you want to achieve with your research. And the operational focuses on how you want to do that. As for the conceptual, the what you want to do that, to do, we need to focus on the following. We start by establishing the knowledge gap, meaning you want to reach some kind of a breakthrough, but clearly explain what is missing. So we do that with any other grant, of course, but uh, here it's also uh, important. And in many cases, you need to be sharper here compared to other grants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will explain in a second why. And then we have the high-risk, high-gain factors, which we'll elaborate a bit in a second, but keep this in mind. 
high risk, high gain is probably pretty much, let's say, the most uh, important or, uh, uh, let's say, uh, conceptual way of looking at whether a project is uh, eventually uh, good enough for ERC. If you don't have the high risk, high gain, the project will probably fail. And then we have the link to uh, the feasibility, high risk and feasibility. Complementing this is the issue of non-incremental research, which I mentioned earlier, which is expected in ERC. Now, if you read uh, the ERC documentation, you will find the terms high risk, high gain, and feasibility over there, but you will not find the term non-incremental research. Still, it's one of the most important factors in this process because they are looking for this major leap forwards. They are looking for drama. They are looking for dramatic uh, uh, innovations or breakthroughs. That's the, that's the non-incremental research. Another conceptual factor to keep in mind here is the hypothesis-driven research. Um, there is, um, it's very important that you craft your research based on hypothesis. However, the issue of hypothesis itself is it can be elusive, uh, and a lot of researchers are actually not doing it right. And there are domains where it's irrelevant. So keep it in mind, but it's not might it might not always be relevant for the evaluation criteria. Another thing under the conceptual part is your unique position as the principal investigator, meaning the person applying to demonstrate how she or he are actually contributing to the conceptual novelty and the conceptual um, uh, competitiveness of the proposal based on the profile, track record, etc. So that's about the conceptual part of assessing this. As for the operational one about how you want to do this, we have the scientific approach and methodology, which is kind of a more trivial thing, but still, with ERC, we need to be very precise on that. Another factor is the fragmentation, meaning uh, I would very briefly uh, tap into that just to explain this. Um, we want to avoid a project which is perceived as a fragmented project, meaning a combination of sub-projects which are not uh, tied together. Uh, people are doing that sometimes in, just in order to justify the big budget. And if they do that, that's a point of failure. So definitely avoid that. And then we have the issue of open end. And this is uh, something which uh, has to do with the higher risk nature of the project. ERC expects you mm. to, do, to come up with something dramatic, as I said, major leap forward, that eventually will change will change the landscape of your scientific community, and will actually invite more research to come. That's the open end nature of the project. And if we said earlier counterintuitive, that's another counterintuitive thing because in many other grants, you are used to actually meet the objectives, reach your milestones, and deliver the goods. ERC expects something else. In that sense, I 
I have many I have many questions. You have a question. Um, first of all, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, the narrative. So the last episode we did together, it was about how to shape your idea description for your research project. That was based on your. So that was actually an EIC episode right. because it was based mainly on how researchers should shape their. Uh, the narrative around the project idea they have. It's this is very important in Horizon Europe Pillar Two proposals because there's there's a high degree of because it's innovation. It's not necessarily research that might be research in a proposal, but it's it's, it's always most of the time you would have industry, you would have big collaborations, you would have have to deal with a lot of different things that that goes for a narrative of some sort that solves a problem, and there the narrative of the problem description of 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 why it is so important what you do that it's so you know like the narrative is extremely important in that part of horizon europe because this is what everybody says evaluators we read the first page and if there's a strong story then i'm almost sure to 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 award or give a give a high high point yeah how is this an erc is it the, is 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 it because if you're dealing with very groundbreaking research that is, you know, like very long-haired, as we say in Denmark, very, you know, like uh, basic research, it can be very difficult to write out in a narrative, so to say. How is that? How do you how do you advise your clients on this? You know, like how do you yourself write it out when you sit with uh, with something that you get the question, you know. I... Um, yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah. Well, answer is not that simple. Um, let's begin with that. Uh, that there is no real structure. Meaning, if you look at uh, the, uh, the the application files, there are two application files: the B1 and B2. In the B1, you have the extensive synopsis, which is five pages, and simply no structure over there at all. And in B2, there is a very minimal structure. Section N, A is uh, the uh, state of the art and objective. Section B is methodology, that's it. So we don't have an official structure to begin with. But then again, you need... Is it important? Uh, it's important uh, for some because people mm. like to work with under instructions, they they want to have someone to guide them or something to guide them. And a very common thing that we see that is that once they're looking at this white canvas and say, I have no guidelines, how should I write this down? So yes, there is no structure and definitely uh, uh, what many applicants are doing, and this is also our recommendation, is actually come up with your own structure, make it your own, own it. And you do need to tell a story. And I agree, it's important here as well. And we cannot avoid that. But how exactly to do that? That's a big question. Um, Is it different in the sense that in Horizon Europe, Pillar 2, you need to make it also social relevant, you know, to the policies, there's a commission on environment or energy, you know, these kind of things. You no, that's that that's where I want to get at. So so you don't you you can skip no. all those uh looking into the, the general 
back curtain policies, uh, agendas of the commission and focus on, all right, this is my research. This is what it does. This is what I want to do. Correct. So basically here, what we do is actually, we're doing something which is uh, different. Instead of uh, uh, suggesting a structure for the, um, for writing the application, we're actually suggesting, suggesting a thinking process. And it also linked to the fact that coming up with a project idea which is competitive enough for the ERC, it takes time to the extent of uh, many months and sometimes years. And I'm talking about one, two, three years easily. So definitely a thinking process here is, is in important in the context of ERC. And I will just give you a quick run by this suggested ERC thinking process. Uh, to get a sense of um, how you should eventually translate this into a narrative, although uh, there are a lot of variations or uh, a lot of things that uh, uh, can be diverted on the way. But we always start up with what is the state of the art and what is the knowledge gap and other and other um, words, how you are going to push the envelope in your specific research area. That's the main thing uh, to, uh, to uh, first of all, crystallize, to be very clear on that. And then you need to have kind of a unique input in order to fill in this uh, knowledge gap. It could be in a way of having uh, your hypothesis or theory, or maybe uh, from a different angle, have an innovative applicative solution or a unique or innovative approach or something, anything like that, that will eventually fill this knowledge gap. Mm -hmm potentially supported with preliminary findings because you need to demonstrate that you have done something. Mm -hmm. And then you, you need, of course, to, uh, but once you have this, you need to articulate what are going to be your research objectives. And of course, what is the methodology, task, and experiments that you're going to have and explain. You need to explain to yourself and to in the application why you have selected this specific methodology and how this methodology will contribute to achieving these objectives. It's an important thing to, to mention in this um, narrative. And uh, eventually how the methodology or tasks are, uh, uh, are adequately planned to test or follow your unique input that can close the knowledge gap. Uh so it's a narrative around the research, narrowly speaking. Yes, but it's not limited to that. It, this is, but it, this is, it, what I just uh, put is actually can work with many other grants. Uh -huh. But then we have some things which are unique, or let's say more uh, relevant to the ERC. Uh, for uh, to begin with, is we have the issue of the risk. And since you're looking at into risky research, mm -hmm. you may may you, you may say that you can expect some outcomes, although you are not certain that you will reach these outcomes because it's a high risk research. Yeah. So you need to demonstrate whether indeed you can uh, uh, have these expected outcomes by presenting some feasibility, and then we have this very important. Uh, link to close um, your unique input to close the knowledge gap that you started off with should be supported by preliminary findings and the, your entire research 
should lead to some expected outcomes. But there is a very big, big question. Are the expected outcomes, these expected outcomes, are just reassuring the preliminary findings or are they adding significant value, which is the high gain of the research? And this is a main failure point for many applicants in ERC, failing to understand this link. Because if you already have something, preliminary findings, and you are just actually doing more of the same, which can be done in many other grants, okay, yeah. then it's not competitive enough for the ERC. Yeah, that's a very good point. I hope you're listening out there, dear researchers, because this is probably it sounds like it's a core square root thing this this it has to be a leap it not a uh, not a step <laughs> to say. correct yeah. um how long are these proposals so uh the extended synopsis uh in the b1 is five pages yeah and the full proposal in in, sec in the uh, document b2 is 14 pages only one four no 14. Okay. Yeah. it's a yeah. fairly short proposal mm -hmm. now no need for work packages no need for deliverables no need for milestones no need for a work plan of course you can put and we recommend that you put something tentative over there but mm -hmm. there is no official need for that mm -hmm. and on top of that high risk high gain non-incremental research hypothesis driven research and methodology are all aspects that must appear both in the extensive synopsis under the five pages and in the B2 in the 14 pages, because they are important both for the first round of the evaluation, which evaluates only the extensive synopsis, and for the second round, which evaluates everything together. Okay, so they okay. So they so everybody goes through uh the five page the synopsis mm -hmm. evaluation and then they select the panel members uh decide yeah. to press it to, to the uh, second stage where yeah. where the extent where, where the external experts are getting everything together normally they can focus on the b2 because it's more elaborated but the challenge here is always the page limit both in b1 and b2 very limiting yeah, for the researcher and for the for the grant, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh the pace limit. Um what else do I have here? Yeah, how does the, the do they work with the same how does they how do they work with the points? Do they have a point system or is it only based on, on a a, ver, a written uh evaluation or how does the, do they have a point system? Yes, there is kind of a system into that, and it's um, it, there is a distinguish between the uh, the grades that they give to the PI profile and to the proposal itself, but it's most about their perception about the science, the scientific excellence, and you don't get marks. You don't mar get marks at all in the ESR. You do get. Uh, get uh, a highly detailed feedback from each one of the reviewers about yeah. what they think about the project and the profile. And there is a final score, which can be A, B, or C. 
and A is the one that you want to have, the uh, mm -hmm. funded one. B, yeah. B and C are, are rejections. Okay, so it's only A that gets, and and the other one are indications of how close you were. <laughs> Correct, or not close. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, there is a kind of a penalty system. If, no. if you get a B or C in the first round, you are uh, locked from reapplying. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you get a B, you are locked <laughs> for one year. And uh, if you get a C, you are locked for two years. And the locking is personal, meaning you cannot change the project now and reapply. <laughs> it's you yeah. that cannot apply. Uh huh. How does so you have so that means they have to so is it then practically two years because they they apply for they apply for a call round and then they're not allowed to apply for the next one if they get a B and then yeah and then so they have to skip one call Correct. round so in effect it's it's two years Correct. they have to wait Correct. yeah and if you get the C it's three years no <laughs> okay yeah yeah the, why did you bother us with you. That's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly why it's like that. Yeah, uh, uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I, I've heard about. Oh, I remember now that you said with the with the the one year blogs about three years. Okay, yeah. So it's good. So it's money well given out to to pay guys like you to, to make sure that you get as close to A as possible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I get it. Um, it's it's not related related to to the evaluation, but it's related to the support, the NCP system, uh, the national contact points. Um, I guess it's the same as for Horizon, no? For for Pillar Two, yeah, you have yes. ERC national contact Correct, points yes. throughout Europe. Yeah. Yeah, so for the for the listeners, the national contact points those are uh, government officials uh, normally working in a government agency or ministry. Sometimes it can be outsourced to a semi-public uh, organization, but normally those are, are civil servants. They sit in a department and they give free uh, uh, guidance within the, the, the European Commission's fundings, uh, R&D funding schemes. And, and they would have uh, people covering... Uh, the 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 different parts of Horizon Europe, depending on on how many resources they have in the in those institutions, uh, but but most at least northwestern European countries, you would have uh, a dedicated uh, resource for the EIC. Uh, I, but I've seen different models where you will have people covering many different uh, things. But but the the, my, the main point here, I guess, is to say, no matter where you sit in Europe, uh, there is a Hey, there's a there's, there's a number you can call mm -hmm. where you can get some guidance before you call Yoram <laughs> to write it for you That's because that, that they don't do. They tell you, they tell you maybe less extensive than you have here in this episode how you need to approach it. Uh, yeah, how, they have these um, kind of info days uh, that, um, that they do. Yeah, they I guess they do them in Brussels, right? No, not not only the LCPs are doing it locally many times. Okay. Oh yeah, they actually yeah I know from Denmark. I used to be one myself. So you yeah okay, um, yeah. Uh, so I was oh, I will try to see if I can find a link. There's the Commission has a comment page for all these right. where you can find them. So I will try to put I will put them uh, on my hop site. Uh, there. Nah, um, 
that's my uh, question list out there. We are slowly moving towards the bottom of our rundown mm-hmm. here. Pitfalls. Yeah, pitfalls. Point, points of awareness. <laughs> right. That's the fun part. Uh. <laughs> um, out of experience, we know uh, that there, are, uh, there is a list of, uh, of uh, points of failures uh, in this process. Um, and I, I would just go uh, through this uh, briefly through this list. Some of uh, the issues I mentioned already. Um, uh, the first group of uh, these pitfalls uh, has to do with, uh, uh, let's say, the PI or the PI-related issues. This uh, meaning the researchers uh, itself. Um, it starts with the, the screening, as I said earlier. It's not a grant for everybody, so make sure that you are. Uh, uh, on par with the expectations of the profile and CV uh, of the PI uh, and make sure that uh, indeed the PI is the EOC material. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that sense, we need to keep in mind the leadership, independence, international visibility, track record, things like that, simply the, the screening of the PI itself. And then we have another group uh, which has to do with actually uh, these are u- very human aspects. Um, the first one is the counterintuitive I mentioned already. A lot of the things in ERC are not as you are used to from other grants, so you need to keep keep this in mind. Um, another pitfall is uh, not allocating enough time to prepare. It's not a simple grant to prepare, although it's short. So you need to allocate enough time. I just put that. I just put it down on my blog here. How much time and resource do you, uh, do do you recommend? Time. What, what do the so time sort of uh, what can what can people expect when they dig into this? How much? I differentiate between the uh, thinking process and the writing process. Uh-huh. Once the thinking process is ripe, then the writing itself is short. Mm-hmm. But I know from experience that we are talking about several months up to several years to come up with a good competitive ERC proposal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes applicants are actually applying, knowing that they are not competitive enough, failing just in order to get the feedback from the reviewers, which is highly ah, which is highly yeah. professional. And then reapplying again after a year or two or three depends on the locking periods. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's well. If they get the three-year lock, lock out, that's of course. Uh, but <laughs> but it can be. But but I can understand the strategy because if you have some sort of national funding and you know you can bump along, so to say, yeah, uh, for a year until two years until you can apply again with the improve. Yeah, okay. So definitely, um, it takes time. And if you, uh, I've been working with a lot of uh, uh, applicants and awardees, but I also heard others talking about this. Uh, it's definitely a reoccurring thing that they reapply and get the grant only in the second or third attempt because it takes time. Mm-hmm. Another very typical pitfall here is the issue of recycling or copying, meaning either recycling your uh, application from other agencies 
or yep. copying from winning proposals to yep. bad practices, especially when it comes to EOC. Uh, the first one about recycling, it's a, it's, a, it's a typical mistake because EOC simply works differently. You can't really recycle a grant application from a national grant, which does not look for high-risk research, into ERC, which is focused on high-risk research. Two different points of view. Definitely expecting different projects. Recycling is a common problem, which normally leads to failure. Uh, and the same goes with copying from, let's say, uh, winning ERCs. Now, on one hand, it's a very good source, meaning to look at what has won, meaning I definitely recommend reading such proposals and trying to understand what was the winning factors of there. Yeah. But trying to mimic that, it's a bad practice because it doesn't work like that. There is no structure. You need to come up with your own. I think we talked about we touched upon this in our uh, in our episode. I'm just gonna it is just for people to it's episode number thirty. If if you wanna dig into this uh, episode number thirty, there because this practice of in the research world with your papers, right? <laughs> you you submit a paper and it gets approved. Uh, by a panel for a research uh, paper. What do we call them? Uh, research. Um... The articles, publications. Yeah, 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 yeah. Publication. It, it, it's approved by a scientific board, and then you sort of, you just, you sort of massage this with you. It's the same basic structure you have for the next article that you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, like sent forward to another one, but you have have just two or three paragraphs in the end that is the latest additions to your research. So this practice is very common in the research world to do like this. Uh, I guess that's because the peer review system and it's quite difficult to come through. And as soon as you're through, then you then you stick to that because then it's already been approved. So you yeah. But <laughs> that is that is t totally different from what you need to do here. Completely, <laughs> you cannot just <laughs> completely, definitely yeah. different. Again, going back to the counterintuitive thing, and uh, we see so many people actually failing on that, failing to understand that it's hard for them to grasp this di yeah. different <laughs> nature of of grant, of thinking, of applying. Of being it's evaluated. that they learned. It's a whole discourse of the you know, you know, the academic world. You know? Correct. Correct. <laughs> and in that sense, we need to mention the third, if you remember, the, the, the three individual categories of the ERC. The third one is the advanced grant, the professors, as I said earlier. Yeah. That's a community which actually is the hardest one to work with because cool. it's 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 uh by by nature it's harder yeah. for them to change their practices yeah. while they should they should simply think out of uh out of the box get out of the comfort zone they the counterintuitive is harder on them and in many cases the advanced grant applicants which are uh more let's say mature professors mm -hmm. tend 
to delegate the grant writing tasks to their students. Of course. PhD students, yeah. postdocs. Yeah. This, pra- yeah. this practice does not hold. <laughs> and I can tell you out of experience, we, we are already familiar with that. And it's kind of a thing that we can anticipate. Uh, starting to work with a new advanced grant applicant, at the beginning, we don't talk with the applicant. We talk to her or his postdoc. And then it takes a round or two (laughs) before the advanced grant, (laughs) her or himself, get into the picture Uh. and says, okay, I understand. (laughs) It's not for the postdoc. So let's start with that. It's not... Get get the audience. Exactly. (laughs) Don't delegate. Access to the king himself after a while. Exactly. Do not delegate it. It's not going to work. Um, yeah, but, but all the words that you're saying there with <laughs> that's 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 everything that they are not. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I'm sure that we have wonderful modern professors out there as well. Yeah, guys. sure, sure, and, all of them, ladies. <laughs> um, yeah, any more pitfalls? Yeah, well, uh, there is of course the full set of things I mentioned before about the evaluation could be about the scientific excellence. Uh, the risk, the high gain, the incremental thing, non-incremental work, which is expected. Low quality hypotheses is a typical mistake that we see. Uh, things about novelty, which we also discussed in the previous uh, session, mm-hmm. is here a pitfall as well. Uh, because again, we are looking here for something which is more dramatic than usual. And many applicants, by definition, uh, are thinking in more incremental manner. Hmm. So it also uh, applies to their novelty in many cases. And we need to mm-hmm. push them further to bring something which is more novel, more risky, less incremental. So it's all, all around that. Mm-hmm. And another pitfall in that sense has to do with collaborations. As you said earlier, it's not a collaborative effort. However, on one hand, researchers are used to and trained to work in collaborations. And in many cases, they actually need the collaborations. Now, it is possible to collaborate within an ERC project. But the thing here, as I said earlier, the beginning mission statement was investigator-driven, and it's all about the PI. If you're going to have uh, collaborations here, uh, you need to make sure that no collaborator here is going to cast a shadow on you as the leading PI in terms mm. of experience, expertise, capacity, ability to lead the project. Meaning it's not a collaborative effort. They can collaborate with you here on kind of, let's say, a supplementary basis, mm-hmm. but not more than that. Okay, so it's so this is a little bit like, actually, the podcast world when you take on a very uh, a celebrity to 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 shine light on your own stuff. But the point is, if your podcast in general is if the content is not there, people are going to disappear if after that episode. So it's the same one here, exactly, right? a little bit. So you have you cannot just take a celebrity in. You are to, the star. Yeah, exactly. So that's about it. That's the, the 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 main pitfalls here that I can mention in that sense. Yeah. Now we talked a lot about uh, 
how uh, how it's it can be a challenge. But can you uh, so the sort of the 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 quintessential successful candidate? You know, so w- which sort of the the successful researcher that has that gets this? What what are they sort of um, the best clients you work with? Um, wow. Uh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, definitely those that are, that have an open mind. Yeah. Uh, because pretty much, uh, working with any applicant on ERC, we need to go through this process, kind of a trajectory of first explaining and educating and making them understand that they need to leave aside what they know about grants and study this one. Mm-hmm. Counterintuitiveness, elusiveness, all these things, they come into play. Mm-hmm. And for that, you need to have an open mind. And uh, those are the best ones. Unfortunately, many of them are not. <laughs> so it makes it harder. And sometimes... We struggle with researchers that simply insist on on simply doing what they are what they used to. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's uh, they uh, researchers are extraordinary uh, people, but they're also a stubbornness uh, to to their and and they often the stubbornness and sort of on on their on behalf of their field. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they might have have been working with a discourse or a way of working with the research topic in a specific way that they have gained esteem over years i don't know you know and they so and then they that's what they do and that's the way they do things and that's just like that because it's also sort of often you have in the research world people it's very person-born, right? It's even here you said the PI. It's very individualistic, so to say, in the research world. They 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 fight for funds in between them, in between persons. It's right. it's 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 mano o mano, so to say, world. It's it's and 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 they got where they reached because of the way they did things. So so I it's this is often why people like us that tries to help them. <laughs> yeah, run into a very stubborn no resistance to doing things in other ways, or why you need to add other paragraphs in a in a proposal because of a funding scheme requirement. The, the, the understanding of these things it's it can sometimes be very difficult. But I must say, I've also worked with researchers that has understood it and understand it extremely well, and have taught me some lessons as a as a grant consultant. You know, say, hey, wait a minute, you know, where I had to adjust and things that I learned from them. You know. That's true, and um, actually, the, the their best lesson, especially those that are stubborn and uh, they are not and uh, flexible enough, yeah. is actually to apply once and, and fail. Yeah, and and then when they go, come back, they are actually, let's say, more flexible. <laughs> they are more open to listen. So, uh, 
it's it's also I guess because they are, they respect what they get back in their face. Probably they're angry uh, often when they receive the feedback, but uh, when the anger has has doctor uh, settled, then reading into what actually is being said of the evaluation helps them because they are very intelligent. Yes, and the, and the yeah. feedback in ERC is highly detailed and very professional. And since it's been done by experts in the field, they will be more attentive. Exactly. It's not, exactly. It's not that's, a that's, feedback by generalists. Yeah, which is sometimes a problem in Horizon Europe, in right. Pillar 2, right? There they sometimes have a, a case uh, where you have people who do not know that that tells them a lesson on things that they have been working with for their full career. You know, this is some. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, no. This was a nice talk. We are almost through here. I always have the toughest challenge. Uh, so you tried this once. Uh, now it's the second time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always good to land on the toughest challenge to say, okay, this is the thing that, uh, the one thing that is um, yeah. toughest to deal with. Uh, well, actually, there are two toughest challenges yeah. in, uh, when it comes to you. See, the first one is what we just discussed. Uh, meaning um, working with uh, a researcher which is no, not open to under fully understand and fully grasp what EOC is about. Uh, definitely a challenging thing. But the first toughest challenge is actually the screening. Because we need to keep in mind, EOC is not for everyone and, and not any project can be transformed into a successful EOC grant application. And uh, it's something that you need to assess right from the beginning. And we have good tools in order to do that. And we are doing that for a lot of, cli a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. But it's not always simple. Sometimes it's very challenging. Um, uh, sometimes the answer is not clear. And we need to further develop things. Uh, but on the other hand, in many cases, uh, we can say no, meaning we can say that something is not competitive enough to ERC completely, be it the profile of the PI or the project itself. And I can tell you that we have a lot of clients, when I'm talking about clients in that sense, it's universities, which are actually asking us to be the bad guy here. Yeah. And tell their researchers that what they have is not competitive enough uh, for ERC mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a function that you need. Well, it's actually, uh, it's interesting that you have the client itself asking for it, but that's because of the nature of the, of the academic world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually, as a principal, when I was a grants consultant, uh, I I was going after the principles of saying no when I didn't believe in things. Yeah. Uh, not run after for for the profit, just for the profit, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for the for the lead uh, to keep the credibility. And I there is you you have the those are 
I'm sorry if I'm stepping on anybody's feet, but my true uh, my true conviction is that those are the good consultants. Those are the ones that keep the good reputation of this uh, grant consultancy sector. The ones that look at what they get in and and work with the client with the with the best of their heart, and say no, this is not strong enough. We cannot do this. Um, that's that's the that's a real consultant in it in also in it the words meaning so to say. <laughs> sure, uh, I, I can say that we are not magicians. Meaning, you can't just come to us and say turn this into a competitive application. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. We need to see yeah. what is the raw material that we work with. If it's not yeah. good enough, it's not good enough. Yeah, and you would have many, many, many. I, because I know, because I've seen it, many, many that just you know like, they do it anyways, and and it fails, and they get the 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 the, the fee from the client. Um, you know who you are, out there. <laughs> uh, but it's not, you know, it's not gonna help your business, and it's not gonna help your relationship with clients. Or like, yeah, uh, from from a former consultant to you consultants out there, be honest. <laughs> I agree. That's it. Well, that was the authoritative, uh, the grand episode on the EIC introduction. Thanks. That's great. Thank you. Joram and I, we are discussing uh, doing something more. So there will, uh, in uh, due time, there will come more on ESC. So you can look forward to that out there. Now I'm just going to land this plane before we say goodbye, you Um So thanks for listening to the end out there. Uh, hope you are enjoying still this initiative. And for new newcomers, new listeners, I hope that you uh, are thrilled by discovering this wonderful podcast initiative that I have developed. I have now more than 50 episodes. Uh, I'm quite proud of that. It started this summer and it it keeps gaining ground, keeps gaining listeners. It's wonderful. I keep getting more and more attention also. I keep getting more and, uh, more and more requests to join the show and so on. So it's it's fantastic. It's uh, it's it's uh, it feels like a a wonderful wonderful thing that I've started here. So I hope that you think so too and if you want to support that the best the best way you can do that is to go to my website, thegrand.eu, and you go to the bottom of the front page and you subscribe to the email list because that is the best way to grow as a startup podcast, which this is this is a spare time project for the ones who wonder. <laughs> I don't. This is non-commercial and spare time initiative. That's it, I think. Yoram. Um, uh, Thank you. Thanks for joining, Thank for coming you. around. We will stay so very much in touch. Sure. And um, goodbye out there. See you next time. Goodbye.